0: Success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way, and in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and they rarely talk about it because that's not what creates success. Join us here, where we'll chat with serial entrepreneurs, both men and women, and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship. We'll talk about the obstacles we face and how to overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Kami Lehman, and this is She's Invincible. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on She's Invincible. And do we have an invincible one to introduce you today? Rebecca Urban is the mother of seven children, a successful entrepreneur, and currently serves as the executive director of Visitation House in Worcester, Massachusetts, a nonprofit maternity home for expectant mothers and their babies. Rebecca began teaching childbirth classes out of her living room just for fun. After the birth of her first child in 2007, her classes quickly grew in popularity, eventually leading Rebecca to become a certified birth doula. In 2010, she founded Urban Arrivals, one of the first doula agencies in the greater Boston area. Rebecca has attended over 300 births and is a sought out speaker on a wide array of topics related to maternal child health. After the success of her business, Urban Arrivals, her husband selflessly gave up his career to stay home with their children so that Rebecca could continue to pursue her passion for helping moms and babies. Today, Rebecca serves as the executive director for Visitation House, a nonprofit maternity home located in Worcester, Massachusetts, (laughs) serving homeless mothers and their babies. Oh my gosh, Rebecca Urban, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you here today on She's Invincible. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Oh my gosh, what a fun journey to get you here, right? Oh, yeah! Man. Like what a story! That'll be a story for another time. But I am excited yeah. to have you. I oh my gosh, I have so many questions. Let's jump in though. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today? And good what question. makes yeah? What makes you
1: invincible? Ah, uh, well, um, uh, yeah, we'll cover we'll cover everything, I'm sure, and. Uh, you know, not to disappoint, but I've listened to the podcast enough. I I don't necessarily believe you know an in invincibility. Um, so I I actually am going to answer this a little differently. Um, but I know you've had guests before who have said something similar that that it's actually more I would say, um, in looking at one's mortality of uh, and and. Realizing that we're not here forever and that we only get this one life um, that has kind of motivated me to want to make the best of it. Uh, So I I would answer it that way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to put this in there that being invincible is about never giving up. It's about okay. it's about, you know, riding the waves and getting knocked down and always getting back up. So yeah, uh, so I appreciate like a lot of people, like <laughs> I personally wouldn't say I'm invincible. That's kind of scary. I'd be waiting for yeah, that yeah. Thing to strike. but but to us, invincible is really just about living life, taking that journey and never giving yeah. up. and you know, no matter what you're faced with, just always getting back up. So with that in yeah. mind, What would you say makes you invincible?
1: That's a good question. So I would say, um, you know, you mentioned I had seven kids. Um, (laughs) My youngest is two and a half and uh, my eldest is 16. And I've been married for almost 20 years. So that's my answer now. (laughs) I believe uh, that seven kids makes you invincible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, we talked about earlier, too, that. Um, and we'll talk about it more, but just my journey that I I never really imagined being a working mom. It wasn't something on my radar. Uh, but you know, when my business grew, even though I kept having babies really like every two years for a long period of time, um, I, I kept up my business and it grew every year. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty proud of that. You know, that, um, even when I had to take a bit of a step back you know, to be with my kids, to nurse my babies, to recover postpartum. I had a good enough team of people in place um, that we consistently grew
0: every year, uh, which is pretty amazing. So Amazing. So yeah. I want to go back to this. When you were young, did you did you come from a big
1: family? No, that's a good question. So um, I'm an only child. You Believe that. Yeah, I yeah, don't. Only child
0: that's what makes you invincible is that you you took right. the challenge what would make you do that right I don't so, know I didn't
1: know any better you know yeah, what inspired um, I you a lot of kids yeah you know I from the earliest time I can remember I loved playing with dollhouses and I had all sorts of games and the funny thing is I always envisioned myself with a large family with a lot of kids um, and I'm talking from the time I was five, six years old, like my earliest memories. And you know, I'm sure we can peel that onion and there's layers there. But, yeah. uh, you know, I I do remember, you know, I had wonderful parents. I had a wonderful upbringing, but feeling really lonely sometimes and living a lot in my imagination. And I saw a lot of my friends, uh, most of them had siblings. And uh, yeah, it was something
0: I wanted and didn't get that. So I love that. So you created that for your, for your own family, which I love, you know, a lot of times that's what happens. We create what we didn't have or what we needed at a time. Mm -hmm. So, okay, this is just, it's hard for me to even wrap my head around the fact that you have uh, helped deliver over 300 babies uh, and having seven of your own (laughs) It's kind of (laughs) something you could just do in your sleep now. Um, But I love. What happened next? Because you shifted from that you having babies, uh helping other women have babies to now helping support women that are having babies. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful transition to the next phase. And I think that's so amazing. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: yeah, so uh i I didn't envision having like a big career or being you know the the sole worker in the family when when my husband and I got married our intention was you know we would both work for some time and when I did have babies then I'd probably you know stay home so uh it was really the birth of my first child who's 16 now that um launched this and and I never would have, believed it you know if you'd told me back, back then but uh the short of it is that the pregnancy was difficult um i had some complications and uh my husband really believed in me during that time in a way that i hadn't really known before in him and um and it made me feel pretty empowered and, and pretty special and having that baby completely changed my life um Mm. i've never ever done something to this day that feels more empowering um i remember i so it was a really long labor i did the whole thing without drugs i don't he was like nine pounds four ounces i don't say that for any reason except um just, I really didn't believe I could do it. I, I was actually in a situation where there wasn't an epidural available. So um, I'm not saying that, like, I think it's better one way or the other. I've I've had all sorts of birth experiences, um, and all of them have been great in their own ways. But I remember really reaching a point in that birth where I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't think I can I can do this anymore. And uh, I remember the midwife was like, well, you can get up and put your clothes on and get in the car and go to the hospital. I'm like, no, I don't think I want to do that. I was at a freestanding birth center that was run by midwives. Um, And so I found myself just kind of in this place where I was like, there's no way out of this except by literally pushing through. And so many, many, many hours later, um, a little baby boy entered the world. And I remember we didn't know what we were having. And I just felt like I had done the most empowering feminine thing. And then to be handed to this boy, like I just laughed. I, I was like, this is this is crazy. I could not believe it. And um, we have a lot of pictures of that, which is pretty nice. And my husband was like jumping for joy and we were really excited. So I had a really, really good experience, um, for, for my first and, and my husband at that point, we were really young, just kind of starting out and, uh, you know, we could use a little extra money. So I decided, Hey, why don't I become a childbirth teacher and I can teach one night a week out of my house. And that's how this started. And, and I did. And I would do it with the baby nursing and right there and our living room quickly became filled. And then I had to rent space. And then it branched out into Boston. And it grew. And uh, then I would say, so many of my students were asking me to be a therapist. And remember, I had young children at the time, my husband was working full time. And I wanted to be but the time it, it, I just couldn't be everywhere and do everything. But I became a certified doula, and for those who don't know what that is, is a birth doula is a non medical professional who's a woman who assists other moms um, and their families in labor throughout the pregnancy and birth process, and sometimes postpartum as well, offering information. Uh, An emotional support during the labor process. Because one of the things we can talk about later is just the maternity system in the United States. And there's that kind of lack of continuity of care. And a mom can go to her doctor at every appointment, but then be met with total strangers when she's giving birth. So hold that thought. But uh, anyway, then it really, really grew. Um, I, I changed a business model, which we can talk about. Um, I think I was one of the first people in the country to, to do a dual partnership. Um, and then, you know, long story short, now I'm in a position where I feel like it's kind of the fulfillment of all of it. My kids are getting older and, um, you know, I am now able to work with women that I might not have been able to work with
0: before by running this maternity home. And I absolutely love it. I love that so much and I think this is a perfect time to tell the story of um you know when you were commenting on the posts and episodes of She's Invincible Sure. On social media, and you, uh, you know, I had just said, "Hey, if there's a topic you want to hear about, please submit it so we can bring that to the show." Which I appreciated so much, and to this day, you're still the only one who did that. So <laughs> I want to give another shout out to our oh, listeners okay. today that if you are a loyal listener of She's Invincible and you have a topic that you want us to talk about, please, please submit it to me on my website at camilleeman.com so we can bring some guests on and have some expert conversations. So that's how Rebecca and I met, which is so cool. And Rebecca, tell, tell us where you were at that time and what was your message to us? Yeah. So, um, just a little background
1: where I was at that time. Um, one thing I didn't mention earlier was in 2018, um, my husband and I made a pretty drastic and radical decision. Um, a pregnancy center had opened up, kind of around the corner from my house. This was back in 2018, and we had joked about back then, like, "Oh, maybe you could do birthing business like full time or something." Or like, ha ha ha. Our older boys, my husband, wanted to go to their games, and he was always saying how he wished he could be more present at home. And then this opportunity opened up. So I was the director of this pregnancy center for three years. And I absolutely loved it. I loved every part of it. Um, now, remember, COVID happened during that time. So my husband, he had not signed on to actually homeschooling all of our kids. <laughs> but, uh, you know, kudos to him for, for living through that. But anyway, I, I became... Sort of unexpectedly pregnant with our seventh, chi- seventh child is what happened, and um, it was a very difficult pregnancy, um, like life-threatening complication for for me. And I kind of had to step down from from my job, and it, it broke my heart. But I knew I needed to be with my family. Um, and it was a good decision because he he needed me. That baby was in the NICU for a while and the birth was very difficult. And now he's two and a half and he's doing awesome. But uh I remember, you know, around the time, you know, several months ago, this would have been like back in November. It would have been like a year ago probably that I asked that question. Um I was just feeling like, okay, now both my husband and I are home my child is getting older. And was this it for me? Like, I I missed working. And, And I felt very torn because even though my kids were getting older, it doesn't mean they need you less, right? It doesn't mean they need you less. And sometimes the teenagers need your presence more. So I was feeling like this pull in two different directions, truly. And, um, you know, we talked about my husband going back to work. He's like, yeah, well, and, and he was like ready to volunteer, by the way. He's like, oh, yeah, like when January comes, you know, I think I'm going to go back to work. I was like, great. That sounds good. Um, but I was feeling it, it's hard to put into words, Gammy, but just. I don't want to say like not living up to my full potential because I don't want to ever give the impression that I think like all women should should work. I really am not like that. Like I think people need to do what's best for their families. And I think that it's absolutely beautiful um, to, you know, have a vocation of of being home and, and raising your children. I just felt like what's the next chapter? And and it was gnawing at me. And and that's why I asked it. And it was a question. I don't remember exactly how I phrased it, but I also turned 40. That was like a big thing in February. And and it was all leading up to that. And I was like, what's the next chapter? You know, what do you do when when you find yourself kind of in a new phase of life um, where you feel too young, you know, in some ways to be done? With certain aspects of life, but also, you know, too old in other respects to start totally new. Like, where does that leave me? And so I, I asked something along those lines. And, um, and you entertain my question. It's a great episode. So thanks for that. Oh, and then I listen. found this job like a
0: month later, which is so amazing to me, yeah, right? Yeah. Because it's like, we're like, I don't know if you've ever read the story three feet from gold, right? But when and you said this no. literally earlier, you said you, you quickly realized when you were giving birth to your son, that there was no other choice than to push through. Right. And so which I think is so interesting because then you were at this other place where you were like, what now? What do I do? Where do I go? How should I be feeling? Is this right? Is this wrong? Like, what's next? And so we did um, with Matthew Brackett, we did a beautiful episode, thanks to you, called Finding Hope and Identity in Disillusionment. And and it was kind of, you know, and so I want to just encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that, too, because that's where we really like I read the question that you asked and it really put things in perspective. So if you're listening right now and you're feeling a little like what Rebecca just described, I want to encourage you to keep listening here. But when you're done, go back to that episode with Matthew Brackett, because we specifically recorded that for you, Rebecca, to try to answer some of the questions (laughs) from every different point that we could to kind of give you some uh, hope right (laughs) yeah and and encouragement in when you were feeling that way and then uh, that is just to me amazing that then just that next month uh, the doors opened and here you were and that was the answer to the question and so Yeah. Yeah. yeah like What if you didn't ask the question, you know, what if you like, there's so many ways when you feel like that, when you're in that place, there's so many different ways you could handle it. And I was Mm -hmm. so excited to hear your news because, you know, you did reach out. Uh, hopefully we gave you some good uh, comfort but at the same time you didn't give up and you you know it just came sometimes we're so busy trying to make things happen when they're really just going to happen on their own and I'm not saying that about you but I'm using you as an example No, it's true that it just happened to you right mm-hmm. you couldn't have made it up this it just no. it just happened and it would happen happened no matter what. So just, you know, if you're feeling stuck right now, just know that something is about to happen <laughs> and you're going to feel like, what is this? And it's frustrating and you feel, you know, all these ways, but just know that nothing is forever. So if you're stuck, you don't have to be stuck forever. There's just such a beautiful life ahead if we keep pursuing it. And I think that's what happened with you. And, oh my gosh, what a story. Of from going from this birth doula to now, this is so near and dear to my heart, and you know that, um, to help these young pregnant mothers and their new babies, and I love that. So let's dive in, and we're going to talk, the topic that we're going to cover here, which is going to be a lot of things, but um, one, and you touched on this, was m- maternity care in the United States So Mm -hmm. I want to start there and then let's go to the balancing of work and family life. And then we're going to wrap it up with fundraising. All right. So let's start with maternity care in the United States. (laughs) Yeah, that's urgent. (laughs) It's it's definitely
1: urgent and it's a mess. Um, And, you know, our infant mortality rates are not great. Our maternal mortality rates are not great either um, compared to other developed countries. and. Currently, we have a cesarean rate of, you know, one out of three births. And um, that's a lot more than the World Health Organization um, recommends. And, uh, you know, but I think, Cammie, the biggest crisis um, in the maternal care system in the United States right now is is the lack of continuity of care. And I feel very strongly about that. It's something I've spoken about for many, many years. And it's the reason why I got into the doula part of what I do or actually going and being with families during the birthing process. Because one of the things that um, a lot of your listeners who are moms can probably identify with is that what happens with most people, regardless of what state I'm in Massachusetts, but it's all over the country, you know, you usually go to the OBGYN. Uh, who you've been going to your whole life or your whole adult life when you're pregnant and you go for your appointments and you might meet with them or you might meet with a group of doctors and they rotate. um, And then you're kind of at the liberty of like whatever hospital they happen to deliver at, right? But it's very rare to meet an OBGYN these days who's like a solo practitioner who like guarantees that they'll go to every birth. So more often than not, what happens is when a woman is in labor, um, she's met with strangers. It's the Mm. truth. Uh, She goes into the hospital. She's never met the nurses before. It's kind of a crap shoot, you know, if your nurse will be friendly or if she's having a bad day. What time of
0: the shift, right? What time time of the shift do you (laughs) get there? (laughs) Yeah.
1: And and there's also... um, you know, shift changes, it's huge, too, and how that can kind of disrupt, you know, the the labor pattern, because we need to be able to relax in order for our bodies to open up and give birth. And um, so I found that a lot of women were really disappointed with that. And I don't know if it was that their doctors like weren't making that clear to them, or they were just kind of like hearing what they wanted to hear. Um, but I found that a lot of people were disappointed by, by the quality of care that they received in during the birth. And um, I think the continuity of care aspect is so important, because there are things that you pick up on when you have a history with a patient or a client or someone like if they if you've been seeing them throughout pregnancy and then like two weeks later they come to you and they look like they've gained 30 pounds that is concerning like that's enough to be like we need to test for preeclampsia and other things but if you're just seeing a different person each time a lot of that stuff um goes unchecked and I think that's a problem But I also think from an emotional perspective, you know, birth is huge. It's something women remember for the rest of their lives. It's life changing. I just gave, you know, the example of me, you know, pushing through with my first baby. And and that moment of like, there's only I have to just push through this. And we keep kind of looking back on those experiences. And and I don't think I'm unique that way. I think, you know, all women um, look back on their birth experiences and it's really the birth of a mother, too. Right. The continuity of care, um, I I think, is key, not only in like a woman being able to feel safe and supported during such like an intimate time, um, but. Also, I think that the rates of surgical birth would be less. I think that um, women would be better cared for and more healthy in pregnancy if we had this. And and the hard thing is, you know, I think everybody would probably agree with that, even obstetricians, but they're like, we can't. We're only one person. We can't be at a labor for days, you know, on end with one mom and be seeing our patients like,
0: what is the solution here? It's right? not safe, right? It's not safe. No, if they're exhausted. No. They're not making good decisions. They're not reacting the way they should. They're not, yeah. So, like, it's not right. safe. And yet, like, what is the answer? It, it ha- and I, I just
1: like there has to be a better way. And yeah. um, you know, I, I truthfully, Cami, I tell this to a lot of my clients and like my childbirth education students in the past, but. I think a doula is only kind of necessary these days, because women tend to not have good relationships with their own mothers, or they live far away, or their their mom might not have experience with the type of birth that they're hoping for. Um, But I don't think a doula is the ideal solution. And I guess that's important to say, like, I don't think I'm some, you know, savior who comes in and like saves the day and that it would be horrible without my presence. Not at all. Um I think what the doula does is help the mom feel more comfortable. Um and if, you know, she's married, the the father, the family, we're not there to usurp them or usurp, you know, the other support people's role. We're really there to just offer emotional and physical support and knowing that someone is going to show up for you in labor who knows you and who knows your history understands the trauma you've experienced in the past all of those things is something people are willing to pay a lot of money for
0: but and I imagine too Rebecca that the doula actually has the vision right like the 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 mom has created like, shared her vision with you like this is the kind of birth I want right this is mm-hmm. this is the perfect birth for me so she's kind of like taking you as a partner and now uh, as a doula I never had one yeah. I should have <laughs> my my birth experiences were so so totally different one from the other which I imagine they yeah. all are but um is the doula able to advocate for the patient or like yeah. I and I I remember the anxiety I felt. you know, alarms going off, things beeping, people yeah. in and out of the room. everybody sees you. there's no dignity whatsoever. there's no right. modesty, right? You're just like you're there. And um I feel like having a doula would kind of ease the anxiety because there's somebody there that you're <laughs> comfortable with that you can that they can say to you, this is normal. That's normal. Oh, this is just that exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, Thought on you. I couldn't have said it
1: better myself. Um, I think the whole energy in the room yes. um, is really important. And one of the things that um, I try to do, like when when I did go to birth in the past and in the hospital is I would try to set the tone that's one of calmness. Uh, and so things you can do is like dimming the lights in the hospital, whispering, using voices, and then the staff kind of whispers back at you, which mm-hmm. is nice. But if you go into a situation with bright lights, loud noises, alarms going off, chaos, you know, I think it's really important, if there are any labor and delivery nurses listening to this, um, to to take a step back and know, you know, this might be birth number 352 that you're attending today. Um, But for this person giving birth, they're going to remember this day forever. And, you know, just because you might know that the fetal monitor slides down and you lose, you know, connection because as the baby moves down, the monitor doesn't go with it and alarms go off. It happens at every birth. The mom might not know that, you know, Um, but just doing little things I found, I I can give you a quick example. That's kind of a, a funny story, but I remember this one birth I attended probably like 10 years ago uh, at a hospital in the Boston area. And, um, the couple was really nice and, uh, they, they were hoping for as few interventions as possible. And when I walked into the labor room and I met them there, um, I could tell on the dad. Oh, actually the dad had texted me when I was in the parking lot and he said like, things are going really well, but like the nurse is just really loud and bubbly. And I was like, Oh, okay. Interesting. So I walked in, there was a shift change. There was a really nice calm nurse who was leaving and this new nurse shows up and she's so loud and like so excited and really friendly, but it was like jarring, you know, Mm -hmm. like you felt the energy in the room change and, you know, she would do things like come in and turn on the light. Like obviously the lights were off for a reason, And then she'd be like, really loudly typing her notes on the computer. And she actually she was chewing gum. And it was like, really loud. I remember that like, and uh, the dad and I were just kind of looking at her like, Oh, my goodness, you've got to be kidding me. But she was so friendly and so nice. Like, and you don't want to, you don't want to be that person who comes in and like, gives the impression, you know how to do someone's job better than them or like giving negative feedback. So I was like, I better handle this really delicately. Like, and, and, um, so I put on spa music, honestly, like my iPhone, I had Apple music, put on spa music channel, got like some aromatherapy diffuser, lavender going. Um, and I told the mom, let's let's get into the bathroom because each birth room has, you know, its own bathroom. And we closed the door and I, and she, we made our little labor cave and we had the water running and that was pleasant, the lights out, the aromatherapy going, and her labor really picked up and progressed. And each time the nurse would come in, like just kind of like open the door and she's doing really well, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and and the nurse was so friendly again. she was. Like, yeah awesome thumbs up right it shows what what you can do you know the little things that can be done to to make an environment more conducive to relaxation because hospitals are scary for people generally um people have associations with hospitals where they go there when they're sick when they go there when someone died like it's
0: and that can kick up stuff too yeah it doesn't bear good news usually right there's for whether it's the ER or or the hospital or 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 even hospice right like it all happens in those buildings and so there's so much there I wish they would teach that you know like that you created the environment that that she needed right and Mm -hmm. I think that you know, yes, all the medical stuff is important, but sometimes you can get that right and get this other part wrong and it mess, it messes everything up. So um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we're going to move on to talk about this. How do you balance now? And you know, this is great because we're talking about new moms having babies. How do you yeah. balance this parenting, this motherhood and this work, life, career, entrepreneurship, yeah. right? That everything changes. This little teeny tiny seven pound baby turns your entire world and house mm-hmm. upside up, down and bank account. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And nothing is ever the same again, which we love, right? That's part of it. Right. Um, but what how do you hold on and take that ride without losing it all? You know, your mind, yeah. Your humor. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good question. Um,
1: I, I think and I sort of anticipated you were going to ask that question. So I, I thought, you know, how can I answer that? But, um, you know, the, the truth is, through help, you know, and, and I have an amazing support network. Um, I could never do any of these things on my own. I, I have a husband who's an amazing father, and it's hard for him to stay home. Like he's not chipper all the time. <laughs> Like it's challenging for him. Um, And I have a babysitter who comes in two days a week, who's like a mother's helper who helps with my two and a half year old so that my husband can get a little bit of a break. And here at the Visitation House, I have an amazing staff of women um, who do honestly the lion's share of the work. Um, You know, a house mother and a program director who've both been here eight years. I think there's a danger when people look on social media and they might see like a professional, you know, headshot or, you know, a blog where you're talking about, you know, what you do, like even reading the bio or something. You know, how, how does somebody do all that? Well, well, the answer is with a lot of helping hands of really good people. I have not done this on my own. I could not do this on my own. And I think, um, it's, it's, it's something I feel strongly about as a woman, because we tend to like compare ourselves to to others a lot. Um, to to make that known. You know, there have been sacrifices um that that my family's experienced from me working. Um, there are holidays that I've missed for for being at birth. You know, there there's been a price in in some ways. But uh yeah, I mean, my mother's helper, she's Amazing. And um, I think it's important that that people know that that this isn't something that's done. It really does take a village.
0: Oh, I say that all the time and you proved it. So yeah. yeah, you've proven that. So okay, so you mentioned that it um when you had your last child um mm-hmm. and then you were thinking about going back to work and your husband had kind of waved his hand like here. So how yeah. did he how was that? What happened when yeah. you ended up the one who found the perfect career? I know, it's so funny. Was he disappointed? Was like, yeah, how did um, that work
1: out? Yeah, it's it's a good question. It 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 was one of those things where, like you said, um things just lined up. And uh it it I had been volunteering for the organization for some time. I I'd always sort of had in the back of my mind like I'd like to do more for them. Um There had been the opening for executive director. Actually, a few years earlier, the longtime executive director of the organization who'd been here for 15 years retired. And I really wanted to apply for that job back then. But I had the complicated pregnancy. And I remember I said to my husband, that's a shame. And he said, well, the the timing's just not right. And if it's meant to be, it will be. And then fast forward it it ended up opening up, and the timing was right and uh there were a lot of things that that happened in that time period where, you know it was made clear to me that that's where I was supposed to be that that i was I was led there and um and I'm really happy and it's funny, my husband he had said. Something when I first took the job at the pregnancy center back in 2018, when he first had made the decision to give up his career so that I would work full time, and I was nervous about like how he'd handle it when I said they offered me the job, and uh, he said, "I can't say no. I'm not going to say no to it because this would be the one time in our life where we turn back on God." What he said to me the first time. And so the second time he didn't say the utter those words, but it was the same thing there. It was too perfect to fit and everything lined up so perfectly that, that it was meant to be. And uh, he's always been incredibly supportive. Um, I'm very, very grateful to him um, for, for his support and believe It is not easy being home with that amount of kids at all.
0: I can't imagine doing it, being the mom. I I don't know. I don't know. And then and then with COVID, like the moms were ready to check out. I don't know how the dad did that. Like, I just don't know. And now he's there with a two and a half year old and a 16 year old. Yeah. I can't. And everything in between. Right. But I mean, there's just such a big age difference. And like, I'm sure like the dad in him wants to go throw the football with the 16 year old. And, you know, and the two year old needs a nap right so it's like ah, I don't know how that looks I, I I'd love to spend a day there <laughs> well the ugly question when we talk about the good the bad and the yes
1: you know? <laughs> we'll talk about um, that <laughs> yeah I mean it's not picture perfect is the truth um it's it's uh you know, I'd be afraid to have, you know, a camera come and do a documentary of, of my household. Uh, I think I'm a, I think we're pretty organized and we run things pretty well. You have to be with this many kids. Um, but one of the hardest things for me personally about um, working outside the home has been kind of giving up a big part of the control of how the household is run. And that's actually something I struggle with a big a lot.
0: Like, (laughs) well, we're all raised differently, right? So we have thoughts and ideas about what that should look like. And then we abandon that. And I guess we can't say anything, right? Because we're not there. We're doing it. So they get they. Yeah, you do. You actually give up that power. But I mean, and you said Mm -hmm. like it's not perfect. You know what? People try to make it look perfect. Nobody's life is perfect. They, you know, it's only on those highlight reels that is perfect. So my last question around this is the kids. How do the kids What is the perception like, you know, the kids go to school then and the moms come and pick them up and the moms do this and the moms do that. Like this is different. This is it's not good or bad. It's different. Right. So now all of a sudden your kids have dad and dad does Mm -hmm. these things and you're at work. Uh, How do the kids do they ever, you know, voice like, oh, I wish you were going to take me to school or I wish you were here or is this all they know? No, I mean maybe I should take that personally, but uh no,
1: I I don't they, they actually haven't. None of them have ever asked that particular thing. And the truth is I'm home kind of right around the time they get back from school. I think summers are actually the hardest. Um, but they'll say things like, oh, I, I think you do this better than dad or dad does this better than you or whatever. And they'll play each other, you know, play us against each other a bit. But they've never said that. I do wonder, you know, my friend said something once to me and it made me realize that I hadn't really ever put myself in my husband's shoes. Like I had because I had done that for 10 years, right? I had stayed home with the kids. So I thought, but she, this was like a few years ago, she went to the playground with some of her little kids and she said, Oh, I saw Ben there. Ben's my husband. And uh it was so nice to talk to him. He looked kind of lonely because there were all these other women there like he didn't know. And it my heart kind of sank when I when I heard that, honestly, because he would never mention that. But I thought, yeah, you know, he's going out to these places and like as a dad, like who knows the stereotypes of the stay-at-home? I don't know. Do they think that he's lazy or not working? Who knows? But um, but you know, he can't just like approach the women and be like, hey, how's it going? You know, that's kind of creepy and weird. So it is a little isolating, right? Yeah. And I had never thought of that. And I had thought about how hard it was for me as a young stay-at-home mom and like even just getting out and going to the playground, right? But how important it was to have those social interactions. And then to have that added layer, you know, it's it's honestly not something we've really spoken about. Um But and it's not something he'd bring up, but it was because my friend mentioned it, that it was kind of on my radar. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, if he yeah, listens
0: friends. to this episode, this might open the door for you two to talk about it, right? Oh my right. gosh. Oh, so the last thing on our list was about talking about fundraising. And I would love to combine that yeah. because I want to have you share more about um the work you're doing at the visitation house and Great. tell us what it is. Uh just draw that picture for us so we can go there with you and um and what it's like. And just all of those things, and then let's jump into this this fundraising thing because clearly, as you said about parenting, it takes a village, and it this is another place where it takes a huge village, a huge generous um, village, right? In in time and resources. So start. Let's start with what? Where is this place? Yes. Who's it? Yeah. So I spent so much time talking about
1: other things, but really the Big part of my life right now is um, I am the executive director of the Visitation House, which is a maternity home for pregnant homeless mothers uh, where they can stay for uh, they come during pregnancy and they can stay for up to a year after their babies are born here in our home. And they pay nothing. We're a nonprofit organization. We exist. We don't get any government funding. We exist and rely Totally on individual donations um, and a few small foundations and whatnot. And some churches give us money and whatnot. Uh, But each mom gets their own private room. And it's a really simple room. We're actually in an old convent. So we've been here since 2005. And it's wonderful. So each room has like a bed, a bassinet, a changing table, and a little sink, which is cute. And the moms are not expected to pay anything, Um, but in return, what we ask is participation in our program. And so they do life skills classes, and we have a variety of different life skills classes that they're expected to participate in. And some of those are bonding and attachment. Some of them are breastfeeding. Uh, what else do we have? We have uh, all sorts of things budgeting. We even have a fitness class. Uh, someone who comes in and teaches fitness, nutrition. Um, but we don't consider ourselves really a shelter. We consider ourselves more of a program. Um, and yes, yeah, since 2005, we've existed and relied totally on the generosity of individual donors um, to keep a roof over our heads and our mission sustained
0: amazing amazing so let's tell our listeners about do you do different like fundraising campaigns throughout the year do yeah. you have a schedule um and then also of course we want to tell them if they are feeling led to support yeah. this amazing beautiful mission i mean i i share i think i shared this with you before so some of yeah. our listeners might be shocked but i was 16 when i had my first baby and i surely could have used the support yeah. like i wasn't homeless but But I was on my own and I lived with my mom, but I didn't have the support and all the things that you are teaching and equipping Mm -hmm. these young moms with, which I really could have used. So let's talk about how can we support this amazing thing that you're doing here? Thanks. Well,
1: I think the easiest way if people are feeling called um, to make a contribution would be to go to our website, which is www.visitationhouse.org. And uh, there's a place to donate right there. They can also mail a check if they're more comfortable, but um, most people donate online. And there's also a monthly giving option, which um, I always encourage people, if they're feeling called, even $25 a month is huge for us just to help sustain our overhead costs and utilities in and, and a place like this, as you can imagine. Um, all the gifts are tax deductible. We're a 501c3 uh, nonprofit organization. And um and if anybody would like to get involved, you know, your listeners are really from all over the world, um, yes. but uh they can reach out to me by email or call, the numbers on the website, and I'd be happy to talk to them um about other ways that they can help. Um but we have various fundraising events that are mostly local, you know, throughout the year. Um, we do have some churches who do like baby bottle drives and things like that um for us, but uh but online giving for for your viewers is probably the easiest
0: option. I love that, and so and for local people that live in your yes. area, do you take donations like diaper donations, yes. baby food mm-hmm. donations, or formula, um, clothes, things like that as well? Yes. So I would.
1: We always just ask that you call first to let us know uh, to let us know what you plan to bring, and we'll let you know if we have a need for it. Um, otherwise, we tend to get like overwhelmed with like 20 high chairs and, and things like that. and it's like a lot of work to have to you know find other homes for them. Uh, so we do have a wish list, actually, an Amazon wish list available on our website,
0: um, which is kind of fun too. Yeah. So if yeah, um, I love that okay. Yeah, So I'll, what we'll do is we'll go ahead and put the link to the wish list right in the show notes here. So as you're listening, yeah. if you feel led, you can go either right to the website to donate or if you want to uh, do something that makes so much sense, because now you're actually yeah. getting what you need when you need it and yeah. you can keep that list in real time. Oh, brilliant. OK, amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. OK, Rebecca, tell our listeners uh, one more time where people can find you. Sure. So um visitationhouse.org is
1: the website for the maternity home and urbanarrivals.com is my personal website, um, which I don't do too much with anymore, but I still do consultations on occasion. I'm happy to answer anyone's questions. I get lots of emails every week from from people. So urbanarrivals.com and visitationhouse.org.
0: I love it. Oh my gosh, this has been so amazing. (laughs) What a great, I knew it was going to be a great conversation, but wow, how amazing is that? Okay. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you wanna come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're gonna have experts there that are gonna be sharing they're genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure! Be sure to check it out on my website at camileeman.com, as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn, whatever is your favorite platform. We will have registration there. You do need to register to attend. And it is on Zoom, so super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to
2: see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor... You find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment we can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info@adventurefound.org.
0: you know, on She's Invincible. We promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs. And wow, have we done that? I think we need to schedule the next time a couple's episode so we can hear from your husband too, right? We dads, We do have some guys that listen in that are loyal listeners yeah. and supporters of yeah. our show. um And I would love to at some point if he's ever up for it. Yeah, we could do a couple's thing and talk about that journey and just help okay. people because okay. I think there are people out there trying to figure out what's what to do and what works for them and the truth yeah. is like the more information you have the easier it is to decide you know, which way to go or what you want to try, but you know, we're not done because while you shared so much great information with us, we promise our listeners that we're also going to pull back the curtain. See, you have had such a journey of joy and success and right. The roller coasters of seven. I can't even imagine. I say it out loud Mm. and I'm like, ah, seven children (laughs) I, what what I find so remarkable is that you have seven children of your own and you're over here on this side loving and caring for these moms and empowering them to be the best moms that they can be as you help usher their babies into the world I my heart is so full right now just thinking about. Yeah. What this just all that you are putting out there and the impact you're making on your own family and also all of these other new families is amazing. But we are going to take a break real quick before we jump into the good, the bad and the ugly. And we're going to do a little shout out. This is a. um this is a review that was, was just put on our site in the, on the podcast. And it's from CEO, CFO trainer. And I don't know who that is, but thank you. And mm-hmm. uh, this person says she's more than invincible 200 plus episodes. If you've not gotten your personal development journal out and listen to Cammie's episodes and put all of her mic drop knowledge into your business and life, you're missing out. Oh, gosh that is amazing how fun was that oh and you know what's so appropriate for today because here you are empowering yeah. the families of the world um and giving all of us an opportunity to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves uh, through yeah. supporting this visitation house and i just love yeah. that all right are you ready to tell some stories sure yeah you, You know why we do this? We do this because we most of our listeners are women and they're constantly comparing themselves and they're always coming up short and they're uh, you know, they want your success, but they never want to deal with your struggles. Right. They always want the success without paying the price. And it just doesn't work that way. But you're so calm, like nobody would believe that you have a husband and seven kids and you do this work. Like if it were me, I'd be frantic. <laughs> That's why it's not. But uh, people, oh. they they never, they don't understand your journey. They just see you in this light and just your beauty and success and the way that you're helping so many people. So let's pull back the curtain. Let's share right. this journey. We're going to tell some three quick stories. The first one, uh, tell us about the good or the greatest part of your journey so far.
1: That is easy, um, you know, besides, I would say, my own children, of course, and and my family. Um, you know, my work is a birth doula, uh, especially being invited into such an intimate time in people's lives and kind of becoming like a part of their families. I've mentioned that a lot of uh, my former clients, I was at multiple births for them through the years and women remember the birth of their children forever and and to kind of you know have a front row seat in that special place is that uh, is an honor and a privilege um and i feel the same about the women here at the visitation house to they on a daily basis inspire me um to to be a better mom and i can tell stories about that too i'll tell a quick one actually yeah um you know we do communal dinners four nights a week. I don't stay for every dinner because I have my own family that I have to get back to. But the idea is they they cook and they prepare a meal and sit kind of as a family. And you can imagine there's lots of babies during the witching hour. Like what a scene that must be, right? Yeah. Um, but seeing how they help each other is so beautiful and amazing. And the, you know, moms come here when they're pregnant And they're able to stay here for like about a year postpartum. So the pregnant moms are seeing, you know, moms go before them and they'll hold the babies for another mom while she needs to, you know, do wash a dish or whatnot. And to see kind of this mom youn that's created
0: is is beautiful. It's true charity in action. I love that. And I think, you know, in that it helps equip them better, right? Because they're there living in this home uh, and watching these new moms engaging with their babies and they're learning from that. And I think that's so empowering. Uh, I yeah. think that they become more prepared. One thing I didn't ask you about that is do you use your doula role at the Visitation House. So that's, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh,
1: that's actually how I first became involved with Visitation House is they had, uh, the old director had received a grant to have a doula program. So the moms wouldn't have to labor alone so they could go to the hospital. You know, we would meet them at the hospital and whatnot. So I voluntarily like started that program. And that's how I first became involved here. That was years ago. So, uh, you know, fast forward, we still have that doula program, which is funded through a grant, which is amazing. Um, But I've taken a step back from that. And the reason, so the two doulas who we have in the program are phenomenal. I trust them completely. They're wonderful. But I decided to take, you know, when I took this role, not to really attend the births of the moms here, just you know because of the professional line we live together essentially (laughs) I don't want them if they like me I don't want them to get mad at me you know but you know you never know so I think it's best in in this role for me to take a step back um but that being said I do teach childbirth classes to them voluntarily and I'm always here to answer questions and they know that my door is always open um, and they come in. Some of them are more talkative than others, but some will come in and sit on the couch and ask questions. And I like that relationship.
0: I wouldn't want I it to that. change. I love <laughs> that. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Well, that was fun. But now we have to talk about the bad. So we'll save the ugly for last, but tell us a story about the bad part of the journey. All right. So um, you know, I, I
1: just thought of this story, but I, I was trying to think of like the the lowest points, you know, of of a place where I was like, I don't think I can keep going in this way. And I remember it was years ago, I remember it because it was on my birthday, February 9th. And um, it was a snowstorm. And I had just attended a birth. And I had been with the mom for like two days in the hospital. And she had an amazing birth. I'm I'm friendly with her to this day. Um, And, you know, it, it was So empowering. My kids were really young. I don't even remember how many I had at that point or what their ages were. But I remember the drive home and and how tired I was. And this birth was actually in Providence, Rhode Island. So it was like over an hour drive. Two in the morning, the highway, it's icy. I haven't slept in a few days. There there was a point on the highway where it wasn't cloud. And I really did think it was possible I was gonna like get in an accident and die. It was like white, white out condition. And um, I cried like the last 10 minutes home. And I just knew I was like, something has to change. And, um, you know, I got home, my husband was exhausted. And uh, he never wanted me to not do, you know, pursue my dream. But we were like, we have to change that something you can't be, gone, mom can't be gone for two and a half days and not know when she's coming home. And um, fast forward, like that, that's actually that bad situation mm. is how I started the doula model for urban arrivals, which was a partnership. So that I That's would amazing. never have to be gone for three days. So I could know I'm I'm gonna be at this birth for eight hours and then my assistant is coming in, you know, and we're gonna swap. So
0: I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, that was hard. That was mm. hard. Yeah, and scary, right? And you know, mm-hmm. you, you have that responsibility to parent those kids you have at home, and here you are risking your life, like yeah. that. I can't imagine, but it seems yeah. like there's a a theme here is when you're getting to that place, right? And then that's when the great things happen next, right? Hey, yeah. Now that you've noticed it, right? It's yeah. Like there's the choreography, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. All right. Well, okay. now we have to tell a story about the ugly. So, tell us about the ugly part of the journey yeah so um
1: you know i i think just in general um birth is is beautiful but it's not glamorous and um so i've seen that you know in so many cases and so many clients that i've worked with that this this is not what they whatever they were expecting this is not it, whether we're talking about the birth, whether we're talking about childbirth pain, whether we're talking about breastfeeding, whether we're talking about postpartum, whether we're talking about marriage, but like whatever it is, this was not what I expected. The fourth trimester, I say, you know, like like, whoa, what just happened? Right. And um I think it's important for women to to know that, that that we all struggle and you know, Candy, the truth is when I posted that question several months ago, I was embarrassed to to post that. I I was like, mm, I don't know if I should like say this publicly, but like, I'm having a hard time. Like, I, I still have that, you know, feeling. Um, what are others going to think about me? But less and less as I get older, um, I think the thing that's changed the most has been when you live with eight people because a husband and seven kids. I cannot let my day and my mood be dependent on the moods of anyone else in my household. Mm. And when you live or you work in a house with 12 pregnant women, I cannot let my day be depend my mood be dependent on their moods you know so so trying to find kind of a healthy detachment. T- um, but
0: <laughs> I don't know how you do it. I mean, the two-year-olds throw themselves on the floor and the 16-year-olds yeah. mouth off and I don't know how yeah. you do this. It's real. <laughs> um, Like they're all in different stages, right. Of life. So, and each stage has their own little thing. And then the same with the women at the home, they're they're either about to have a baby they're they have morning sickness, they're postpartum, right. They're in like, they're all in different places. You are a saint. (laughs) I'm going to find you a medal. Oh my gosh work you're doing and the just the impact that you're making and empowering these people all the way from your kids at home and husband to all the moms and the new babies how lucky they are to have someone like you to be able to support them and usher them into this scary part of life
1: yeah wow that's that's nice i uh you should get to know me better. And then you might think different. But, and um, no, but I don't think so. but truthfully, I mean, I, if I want to emphasize anything, it's, it's the health and that it takes the village and everything I've spoken about. If I did not have a supportive husband, I would mm-hmm. not be in this role. If I didn't have a husband, though, I probably wouldn't have the seven kids, right? <laughs> Hopefully, right? But, but, um, you know, like, having a mother's helper, having, you know, a staff here that's, that's wonderful. It's, it's not all me. It's really, truly not. Um, we build each other up and, uh, and, and it's important to recognize kind of the unsung heroes, right. And, um, and the people in the backgrounds that make it possible
0: for us to do what we do, because it wouldn't be possible otherwise. A hundred percent. But for you, I love that you're the leader, right? That you're you're the head of this, and you empower them to be the greatest that they can be to serve in those places as well. Like it always, someone has to have the courage and you've got a lot of guts. (laughs) And I love that, I love that because they need that. They need that strong. These young girls that are in the scary place need to have that strong presence, that female presence. um, And Mm -hmm. they need, if they can't have, you know, that in their family, then they need that. And you're such a wonderful, wonderful person yeah. for that. It's yeah. Easy. I love Disability. it. I can't wait to come visit. I can't wait yeah, to come visit. That yeah. That I can't. I just can't wait. I'm so excited. And I'm so excited to just really bring the awareness to this that, you know, yeah. there are lots of young, pregnant, homeless women. And it mm-hmm. is scary. And this is a way to be a part of giving them a better chance at life, at a great life, right? because the statistics say that it doesn't always turn out well, but when you take control and you're playing a part and contributing to something like this, there's way better chances that it will end well. And wouldn't we all want to be a part of something like that in this world? Rebecca, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> thank I mean. you. And I'm so <laughs> excited and grateful that even though you weren't comfortable Coming forth with that, you know, question um, and that topic, I'm so grateful you did because I feel so blessed to get to now know you and be able to have an opportunity to support the work that's going on. I've always had a heart for that um, because of my own personal situation. And my secret is when I was young, I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse. So we have something in common. But then I got pregnant awesome. and I had a baby and I never pursued that. Um, But I always wanted to play a part in that and support that. And I, when I met you, I felt like that was an answer to this ongoing prayer that I would be able to have some kind Aww. of positive impact in that because that was my mission.
1: So that's funny. That's beautiful. Can I jump in and just say, you know, listening to you say that, so many young moms, like you said, you were 16, when they're facing an unexpected pregnancy, think that their lives are over and that their dreams are crushed. And I can confidently sit here and tell people, your listeners, you can definitely you are living it that it is not an end to to your dreams it's it's a new beginning and um i i just want to offer that message of encouragement that you know an unplanned pregnancy doesn't prevent you from achieving goals
0: no, you can live a great life. And honestly, the life I live today is better than the one that I wanted. So and that's why when I say like, I'm so grateful to have met you, I can have the life I live today and still have an impact and contribute to what I always had a passion for and where my heart really is so you really can yeah. have it all and it's, yeah. it's because of people like you and your team and all of the support that allows that better opportunity so things these will have to get you down here You have. To I can't come, wait come I can't wait you're gonna get we have a lot project. of fun we have wait. a lot of fun here well I love fun so if it's not fun I'm not doing it <laughs> well this is oh, amazing and to our listeners oh my gosh I hope that we have just touched your heart today with these beautiful stories of the visitation house and uh, childbirth and parenting and oh my gosh all the scary things (laughs) that don't have to be so scary um, if you just reach out and ask for help and get the support you need it's there it's there for you but people are not mind readers, you need to reach out. So click the link in the show notes so you can connect with them and either get the help you need or be able to be the support that they need. Either way, you guys, this is your opportunity to really take advantage of this today, this episode. So thank you, Rebecca. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, just get back up. You can do it. You can do anything. You just need to get back up. Thank you for joining us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please follow the show, submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. If you would like to chat to see if you can attract your ideal client and monetize your business through podcasting, please book a free call with me at camylehman.com. I can't wait to meet you.